Last week we began our summer series here at Bethel Church that we are calling Shore Points Lessons from the Beach. And over the summer we're going to be looking at events, moments, stories in the Word of God that occurred in, on, or around the shore, the beach, or the waters. And I mentioned this last week that some of the greatest lessons of faith and trust and obedience happened in or around the water in God's word. And last week we looked at our first sure point and we looked at the crossing of the Red Sea. How many of you were here last week? Amen. Bless the Lord. And last week we talked about how the Christian life is not lived in straight lines. Amen. Sometimes God will, will take us on a detour. Sometimes God will take us the long way around. Our job is simply to trust him. And last week we talked about it doesn't matter who your opponent is if you already know the outcome. Amen? Scripture says if God is for us, who can be against us? Now, point number three, last week I received the most phone calls, text messages, emails. I, I had a lot of conversations. It was encouraging, but it was also convicting. Point number three was praise is contagious. So is complaining. And we need to be people who praise the Lord. Amen. Last week we talked about when hemmed in on all sides, there's only one place to look and that's up. Amen. And last week we closed with God's presence in the trial is more, it's better than exemption from the trial. Amen. But today we're not going to be looking at a story that occurred on a beach or a shore, but rather a story that occurred on the water. In fact, when our story begins, there is no water around. The, the, the water will come. Today we're going to look at the story of Noah and the ark. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Genesis and turn to chapter number 6. This is a long story in Genesis. It covers uh, four chapters in the book, but we're going to focus our attention on a few verses in chapter number six. I'm going to give you some thoughts this morning on the story. Then we'll close uh, with some lessons that we learn from this story. So if you have your Bibles open to Genesis chapter number six. If it helps you in my Bible, it's page number five. But Genesis chapter number six, if you're ready to go, say amen. Verse number five, we're going to begin in verse number five. It says, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every intent of the fault of his heart was only evil continually. A better translation is all the day. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth. He was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. Look at verse number eight. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Your translation might use the word favor. Noah found favor. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man. 
perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, Japheth. And the earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their ways on the earth. I've entitled the message this morning, Noah, the man who stood alone. Noah, the man who stood alone. Let's pray. Father, the balance of our time together today and the balance of this service has been set apart to the reading and to the preaching of your holy word. And I pray, God, that our hearts and our minds would be open to hearing and to receiving, God, what you would have for us and that your word this morning, God, would accomplish its intended purpose in all of our hearts and all of our lives. We thank you for and we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. We know that even people who have no faith, those who have never read the scriptures, are familiar with the story of Noah's Ark. It ranks up there with Daniel in the lion's den, David and Goliath, Joan and the whale. And the temptation is to think that these are just cute stories that are found in God's word and they're for our children. Now think about it. God is going to ask an old man to build an ark. Noah's 500 years old. God's going to ask him to build an ark for his family and for the animals because a flood is going to come and there's 40 days and there's going to be 40 nights of rain and the, the ark is going to come to rest on top of a mountain. And I think in a way we almost romanticize this story. It's a great story that we can tell our children. It makes for good decorations in our nurseries, in our children's room. It makes for great wallpaper. In fact, if you go into our nursery, even here at Bethel Church, we have Noah and the Ark wallpaper in the nursery. We, we have a rainbow that's actually painted on one of the walls. And yet we forget that this is a real story with a real man by the name of Noah. And church, I want you to know that Noah was a man who lived for God when it wasn't popular. And Noah was a man who stood for God when no one else stood for God. Noah was a man who was faithful to God when everyone around him was unfaithful. Noah was a man who walked and he talked with God each and every day. The scripture says in the days of Noah that every inclination of the heart of man was only evil all of the time. Yet there was one man who stood alone. And there was one man who stood out and he wouldn't compromise his character. He wouldn't compromise his values. He wouldn't compromise his convictions. He lived for God for 950 years. The scripture says like his great grandfather Enoch that Noah walked with God each and every day. Even as men all around him changed into wild beasts full of lust and full of hardness and full of sensuality, Noah became more and more like the one with whom he walked. Let's be honest this morning, church. Some of us have a hard time walking and living for God from Sunday to Sunday. And yet the scripture says Noah walked with God for 950 years. And let's be clear about something. Noah didn't have a Bible 
Noah didn't have a church. Noah didn't have a fellow member. Noah didn't have a choir. Noah didn't have a worship team. Noah didn't have a pastor. Noah didn't have an elder. Noah didn't have a deacon. And yet the scripture says he lived for God. The scripture says he was righteous. The scripture says he was blameless among the people. And if you stop and think about it, our pastor already mentioned it this morning. Our world really hasn't changed that much. Jesus said in Matthew's gospel, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. And I believe today, just like then, that God is looking for those who have the same spirit of Noah. Amen. Those who are willing to be sold out. Those who are willing to be fully committed. Those who will go all in with God. Those who don't care what the world says, what the world thinks. Those who are willing to stand for God Those who are willing to stand for the truth Those who will walk with God So it's more than a cute story About an old man who built an ark And snuggled with wild animals It's a story about a man Who walked with God Who was faithful to God Who was obedient to God And when God approached him And asked him to build the ark The scripture says he did everything As the Lord commanded him You see that's the whole point In Genesis chapter number 6, Noah lived in dark times. Wickedness had grown to the point of of no return. Look at verse number 5 again. It's on the screen. It says, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually or all the time. I like how, how the living Bible paraphrases it. It says, man was rotten to the core. Look at verse 7. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. You see, God's purpose was not extermination, but it was regeneration through Noah. And the scripture says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The first time the word grace is mentioned in the word of God. It's concerning Noah. And in the midst of wickedness, there was one righteous man. Not only was he righteous, the scripture says he was blameless, which means he was complete. It means that he was whole. It means that Noah had integrity. You see, church, before Noah ever started work on and before he ever started building the ark, I want you to know that Noah was working on and building his character. Amen. And God is way more interested in our hearts. And God is way more interested in our character than our, than our work for him. Amen. And so the world was pulling at his convictions and the world was pulling at his values. But Noah didn't move because he was righteous and he was blameless and he walked with God. Now, let me just say this here this morning. There may never be another time when there's only one righteous person that can be found by God walking the earth. But can I tell you this morning, church, you may be the only one living for God in your family. 
And you may be the only one living for God in your school or in your classroom or your university. You may be the only one that's living for God in your workplace. And can I tell you, the only way you can stand alone in an evil world like Noah is you have to walk with God. And let me tell you, church, just because you walked an aisle, it doesn't mean you're walking with God. And just because you go to church, it doesn't mean you're walking with God. And just because you can sing a few songs, it doesn't mean that you're walking with God. And just because you read your Bible, it doesn't mean that you are walking with God. Walking with God means, God, I'm going in your direction, not my direction. I'm going at your pace, not ahead, not lagging behind. I'm walking in step with you. You see, in his spirit, Noah was not a part of the wicked world. Each and every day, he walked. As he walked with the Lord, he became less attached to the things of this world. The same will happen, church, to you and I, the closer we are with God. The more time we spend in fellowship with God, the more time we spend in the presence of God, the less attached we'll be to the things of this world. Amen. And Noah's faith is going to land him in Hebrews chapter 11, the, the hall of fame or the hall of faith chapter. If you have your Bibles turned, I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter number 11. If you don't have your Bibles this morning, the scripture will be on the screen. And I want to draw your attention. In, in many of your Bibles, you, you might have subtitles. You might have captions in your Bible. And if you have a Bible with captions, if you have a Bible with subtitles, the caption before verse 4 might read, Faith at the dawn of history. I want to point this out. Faith at the dawn of of history. Let's look at verse number four. It says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts and through it being dead still speaks. Look at verse five. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Look at verse 7. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, he moved with godly fear. He prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Now what we have here in Hebrews chapter 11 I call are the big three. Okay, the big three. These are the first to make it into Hebrews 11. These are the first to make it into the hall of fame, into the hall of faith chapter. And they're going to lay a, a spiritual foundation for the rest to come. Now, if I were writing the, the, the subtitles, I think my subtitle would be progression of faith at the dawn of, of, of history. Progression of faith at the dawn of history. I, I want to show you this on the screen. 
Through Abel, we learned how to worship God. But through Enoch, we learned how to worship God, but also how to walk with God. And through Noah, we learned the worship of God, the walk of God, and how to work for God. You see, the progression of faith at the dawn of history and work for God, he did. God instructed Noah to build an ark. God instructed Noah to build a boat. Look at verse number 15. This is how you are to build it. You see, God gave him exact details. God gave him precise measurements, what size, what materials to use, all of the features. Here's my first thought this morning. You ready for this? If you're taking notes, you can write it down. God is deserving of our unreserved faithfulness, submission, and obedience. Amen. You see, if God asked me to build a boat, I think I might have a few questions for God. I might have an objection. I, I, I might have some reservations, but Noah didn't. Noah obeyed God wholeheartedly, and he built a boat even though the world had never seen rain. You see, the scripture says earlier in, in, in Genesis that the ground provided all of the moisture that the earth needed, and so they had never seen rain before. And so the scripture says Noah began work. The ark was to be 450 feet long, 80 feet wide, 50 feet high. Now, let me put that in perspective for you this morning, the size of the boat, the size of the task, 450 feet long. Can I tell you that this room from wall to wall is 125 feet long? So the length of Noah's ark was three and a half of the room that we're in right now. The width of Noah's Ark was 80 feet. From the back wall to the curtain is 75 feet. So you have to go five feet behind the curtain, and there's your width. Again, three and a half of the room that we're in. From the back wall to five feet behind the curtain, and you can't see the peak of the room. It's about 35 feet up at the middle. You have to go another 15 feet higher than the peak of this room, and you'll get the dimensions and the size of the task that was ahead of Noah. And God said, make it out of gopher wood. That's cedar or, or cypress wood. And God said, cover it in pitch. And pitch was to be used to waterproof the inside and the outside of the vessel. God said the ark is to have three decks. Each deck contained around 35,000 square feet. To put that in perspective, each deck could house 25 regulation-sized basketball courts. There was to be one door, and there was to be one window put in the ark. Exact details, precise measurements. You know, it's interesting. Modern engineers have studied God's design, and they, they've studied Noah's book, and they conclude that God's boat would have done fine in any body of water and could have handled up to 100-foot waves. Can I tell you, church, God knows how to build a boat. Amen. Look at Genesis chapter 6, verse 22. Don't miss this part. Don't miss this. It's on the screen for you. So Noah 
did everything exactly. Underline that word exactly. As God had commanded him. Look at Genesis 7, 5. It's on the screen. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Genesis chapter 7 in verse number 9. Two by two they went into the ark to Noah, male and female, as God had commanded him. Genesis seven sixteen, a male and female of each kind entered. Just as God had commanded Noah church four times. Four times in 17 verses, it says that Noah did all that God commanded him. You see, church, obedience means doing whatever God asks without reservation or hesitation. And church, I want you to know Noah didn't delay. He didn't ask questions. He didn't ask for further explanation. He didn't say, I'll pray about it. He didn't say, I'll think about it. He didn't say, I'm going to talk to someone about it. Unlike Moses, he didn't have excuses. He was obedient to all that God commanded, and he didn't hesitate. You see, every parent in this room knows that delayed obedience is really disobedience. Look at what James said in chapter 4. James said, therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it to him, it is sin. You see, church, I believe, and again, this is my own personal conviction. You may not feel this way, but I believe that greatness in the kingdom of God is not measured in terms of our success. And greatness in the kingdom of God is not measured in terms of our talents or our accomplishments or our size, but rather our obedience to the Lord. Amen. Amen. And it's my personal conviction that our greatest struggle in life is not understanding the will of God, but rather being willing to obey him. You see, you can look back over your life and our problem wasn't that we didn't know. Our problem was that we knew, but we weren't willing to follow through. We are stubborn and we are resistant to the one who's speaking to us and to the one who's directing our steps. This is the basic struggle I I believe in the Christian life. And that's why Jesus said in John's gospel, chapter number 14, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. One of the pastors that I follow on Twitter tweeted this out yesterday morning. And as soon as I saw the tweet, I said, oh, that's good. I'm I'm going to put that in my sermon. Here's what he said. He said, faith without obedience It's like a car without an engine. It doesn't work. Did you get that? Faith without obedience is like a car without an engine. It doesn't work. It doesn't matter how shiny the car looks. It doesn't matter how clean it is. It doesn't matter the rims or the tire or the the paint job. Faith without obedience is like a car without an engine. It's not going to work. It's not going to run. Obedience is so important, church, to our walk with God. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. That's why the psalmist said in Psalms 119 and verse 60, he said, I will hurry without delay to obey your commands. I will hurry without delay to obey your commands. Not only is delayed obedience disobedience, but so is partial obedience. 
You see, if Noah made the boat smaller, if Noah decided that in order to house all of the provisions for the year journey and to house all of the animals that he needed a fourth deck or possibly a fifth deck, if Noah made any modifications that he thought would have been better, if Noah put in an additional door or put in additional windows, can I tell you, church, the boat wouldn't have worked. The boat would have capsized. The boat would have sunk. The outcome would have been disastrous. But Noah did exactly as God commanded and all that God commanded. And sometimes we like to pick and choose the commandments that we're going to obey. And we do this all the time. We make a list of the commands that we, we like and we obey them, but we ignore the ones that we think are unreasonable or the ones we think are difficult or the ones that are expensive or the ones that are unpop, unpopular. Pastor Joe, I never do this. Let me give you some examples. I'll attend church, but I'm not going to tithe. Can I give you another example? I'll read my Bible, but I'm not going to forgive the person who hurt me. I'll pray, but I'm not going to pray for my enemies. I'll serve, but only if it's not an inconvenience. Church, I want you to know partial obedience is still disobedience. Do you remember the story of King Saul? God said a command through the prophet to King Saul. He said, I want you to go to Amalek. And I want you to utterly destroy everything. All of the people, the king, all of his servants, all of the livestock. I want you to, to destroy everything. And the scripture is clear that Saul got rid of everything that was worthless. And Saul got rid of everything that was despised. But he kept the best of the livestock. And he spared the life of the king. And look at what God said in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 11. He said, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned his back from following me and has not performed my commandments. Now when Saul saw Samuel coming, he was so excited to tell him the news. He was so excited to tell him the good news. Look at verse number 13. It's on the screen. Here's, here's the king. He said, blessed are you of the Lord, speaking to the prophet. He said, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. This is the king. I've performed all that God has asked and required of me. He did 95% of all that God required of him, yet God called his nearly complete obedience rebellion. And it's in this context, 1 Samuel 15, 23. The prophet said, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Church, I want you to know this morning, in God's eyes, partial or selective obedience is the same as rebellion to his authority. And it's the evidence of a lack of the fear of God in our hearts. Noah was moved with fear and built an ark. Pastor Joe, I thought we were going to talk about the animals going into the ark two by two. Church, it was more 
to this story. Amen. Look at Psalms 119, verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Look at Psalms 128 and verse 1. Blessed are you all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. Each time God gave him instructions, he did according to all that God commanded him. Church, God is deserving of our unreserved faithfulness, submission, and obedience. Amen. Can I give you another thought this morning? Thought number two, when God gives you a mission, you can be sure that you're going to run into delays, difficulties, detours, dead ends, and ridicule along the way. You see, if anybody had the right to be discouraged, it was Noah. Do you know how long it took Noah to build the ark and to get it ready with all of the provisions for the year-long journey? It took him 120 years. And now let me ask you, could you go on for 120 years on a project without one word of encouragement from anybody else? But Noah trusted God. And I'm sure there were days that Noah didn't feel like going to work. But for 43,800 days, he went to the same place and he worked and he never gave up. Scripture says in 2 Peter chapter 2, In verse number five, the scripture says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. That means for over a hundred years, as Noah was building the ark, he was preaching and he was warning the people that a great flood was coming. Noah didn't preach the word of God for one day or for one week or for one month or even a year. Noah was faithful and he preached the word of God for over a hundred years. He could have quit so many times. God, it's too big. God, the task is too great. God, I'm a little overwhelmed at what's before me. God, the ridicule is getting to be too much. God, the ridicule is getting to be so great. But church, Noah stayed the course for a hundred years. In 20 years, and I believe what's lacking today in the church is spiritual endurance. Turn to your neighbor and say, Spiritual endurance. Turn to your other neighbor and say, Wake up. That's why Paul wrote in Colossians. It's on the screen. That's why God wrote in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 11. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. You see, church, we live in a disposable society. We use something and then we toss it away. We throw it away. We take the same approach into life. And what you see today is failure to endure in faith, failure to endure in life, failure to endure in marriage, failure to endure in our jobs, Failure to endure in church to become normal. But church, we must stay the course and we should endure with patience and we should endure with thanksgiving. We're to follow Christ from start to finish. Amen. So this morning, don't give up on your faith. This morning, don't give up on what God is calling you to do. Even after you have to go at it all alone, don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on your family. Don't give up on your health. Don't ever give up. God is in control and God is going to see you through. We haven't read the final chapter yet. Church, when God gives you a mission, you can be sure you're going to run into the delays, difficulties, detours, dead ends, ridicule along the way. It took 120 years. But Noah built the ark 
loaded it with all the provisions, got himself and his family on the boat. All of the animals go onto the boat, and the rains come for 40 days, and the rains come for 40 nights. Look at Genesis chapter number 7 in verse 23. It says, every living thing on the face of, of the earth was wiped out, people and animals. The creatures that move along the ground and the birds were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. Let me give you another thought. If you're taking notes this morning, if we invest our lives with the Lord, no matter what the future circumstances are, we will be secure. Amen. Amen. While the world beneath perished, the ark rode safely above the judgment church. Our world, even as our pastor mentioned earlier in the message or, or the service, our world has never been in worse shape morally than we are right now. And crime continues to explode and families continue to splinter and the fabric of society continues to unravel. Our world is falling apart and it's easy to be full of fear. It's easy to be full of worry. It's easy to be full of anxiety, but I want you to know, church, if you're in God's ark, you're going to be safe. Amen. The scripture says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they are saved. Amen. No doubt the ark experienced punishing rains and winds and waves in church. I want you to know no matter how acute the difficulty is in this life, you and I will never get lost in the process because God is in control and he He's all powerful and he's all good and he's all knowing and there's no foundation that can never be more safe or more solid than that of Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. And there's no man and there's no devil that can stop God's ark from her intended harbor. That's why the writer of Hebrews said in chapter 6 and verse 19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Can I tell you, church, we are safe in God. Amen. Amen. If we invest our lives in the Lord, no matter what the future circumstances are, we will be secure. Look at Genesis chapter 8. Move along in the story. Verse 18 is on the screen. So Noah went out of the ark, his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every animal, every creeping thing, every bird and whatever creeps on the earth, according to their families, went out after the ark. After one year, after God's judgment, the boat will come to rest on top of Mount Ararat. And here's, here's another thought for you this morning if you're taking notes. Thought number four, our obedience to God today determines where we'll be with God tomorrow. You see, if Noah didn't obey God, he wouldn't have survived the flood. But the scripture says Noah and his wife and his three sons and their wives and all of the animals, they came out of the ark. Church, I want you to know one step forward in obedience can alter the course of life for you. One step forward in obedience can alter the course of eternity for you. Remember what the writer of Hebrews says. It says that Noah was moved with fear. He built the ark and he saved his entire house. 
household. Can I tell you why I believe that Noah's in Hebrews chapter 11 and Noah's in the hall of faith chapter? I don't believe that Noah is in the hall of faith chapter because he built an ark. I believe that Noah is in the hall of faith chapter because he literally saved his family through one act of obedience. Even though it took him 120 years, he never believed. He he never gave up and he believed in the word of God. He built the ark and his family was saved. You see, church, you cannot obey God without your obedience spilling out and being a blessing to those who are around you. Come on, somebody. He saved his family. Amen. He did exactly as God told him and the result was literally the difference between life and death. How we live today will determine how we live tomorrow. If I invest, if I invest the efforts to obey the word of God and to pattern my life as God directs, then whose hands is my future in? The answer is clear. I'm in the capable hands of almighty God for sure. Amen. Your decisions made today concerning your faithfulness to God, concerning your obedience to God for better or worse will affect the rest of your life. Our obedience to God today determines where we'll be with God tomorrow. I'm going to try to wrap this up. Billy, if you can come and just play softly. Look at Genesis chapter number 8. Verse 20. It says that Noah built an ark an altar to the Lord. And he took of every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Let me give you another thought this morning. Obedience to God is our highest form of worship. You see, church, we can sing songs, but if we don't obey what God asks of us, we have not worshiped him. And we can read the Bible each and every day. And we can memorize scripture. And we can quote scripture verse by verse. But if we haven't been obedient, we haven't worshipped God. And God received Noah's sacrifice because it came from a heart of obedience. Genesis chapter 9 and verse 1. So God blessed Noah. And his sons. God blessed Noah and his sons. Let me give you my final thought. God always rewards an obedient faith. Amen. God rewards an obedient faith. That's why it says in Psalms chapter 19, in verse 11, talking about the commandments and in keeping them, there is a great reward. See, when you choose to obey the Lord, church, I want you to know God will bless you. It says, so God blessed Noah and his sons. Ed, if you can just go to the next slide. Here are some of the rewards. You can just jot them down real quick, but here are some of the rewards that God promises to the man, to the woman who will keep his commandments. Long life, protection, gladness, 
great peace. It says in Psalms 119, 165, great peace have those who love your law. Then answers to prayer. 1 John 3, verse 22, whatever we ask, we receive from him. Why? Because we keep his commandments. Church, God always rewards an obedient faith. Amen. Those were the thoughts from the sermon. Let me give you the lessons, okay, real quick. If you're taking notes, I want you to jot them down. Here's the first lesson that we learn from the story of Noah and the ark. Number one, we learn from Noah that it's possible to remain faithful and pleasing to God even in the midst of a corrupt and sinful generation. It wasn't easy, but Noah found grace. And Noah found favor because of his obedience. Jonathan Edwards was a revivalist in the 1700s. He's famous for his sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And he was on record as saying, once I have one resolution in life, it's this. I'm going to live for God. Resolution number two, if no one else does, I still will. What would happen? If we all made that same resolution, what would our church look like? What would our family look like? What would our world look like? Number two, the second lesson we get from this story. God blessed and saved Noah, just as he will faithfully bless and protect those of us who follow and obey him today. God blessed and saved Noah. And God will faithfully bless, protect you and I. And here's the third lesson. It's on the screen for you. Our call to obedience is not short-term. It's not a one-time call, but our obedience must be lived out over a lifetime of faithful commitment. And those who persevere, church, they're going to finish the race. But our obedience must be lived out over a lifetime of faithful commitment. I'm going to close right now. I mentioned this earlier on the message that I believe that God is looking for those even today who have the same spirit as Noah. Those who are willing to stand alone. Those who are willing to stand out. Those who are willing to walk with God. Those who are willing to be faithful to God. And here's how we're going to close this morning. I have a short prayer really short prayer. Don't show it yet, Ed. But when I tell Ed, he's going to put it on the screen. And I'm going to read it to you this morning. And if this is truly the desire, the cry of your heart, the moment I finish this prayer, I want you to stand to your feet. And I'm going to pray for you in closing. Are you ready for this? Okay, Ed, show them. Lord, whatever you want, wherever you wanted, and whenever you wanted, that's what I want. Is there any today all over this place? All over this place. Lord, whatever you want, wherever you want it, 
whenever you want it. That's what I want in church, if that truly is the desire and the cry of your heart all over this place. Just begin to lift your hands this morning before the Lord and make it personal today. Make it personal today. And I want you to know, church, when you look up in his face and you say, God, whatever it costs, whatever it costs, that's the moment, church, that he's going to flood your life with his presence. He's going to flood your life with his power. God, whatever you want, wherever you want it, whenever you want it, God, that's what I want. That's what I desire. Come on, church, lift your hands. Make that your declaration this morning. Make that your prayer today. And Father, I pray, God, for my brothers and my sisters that are here this morning. God, for those who are standing to their feet. God, I pray, Lord, even for the teenagers that are in the room today, even for the children, God, that are here this morning who are standing to their feet. They're standing to their feet. And their hands are raised before you as an act of surrender. And they're saying, God, from this moment on, they want to live for you. God, they're going to stand for you. If no one else stands... God, they're going to be faithful to you. And I pray, God, this morning that, Lord, you would bless them. And that, God, you would keep them. And that, God, this morning you would encourage them. God, in the journey, that you would encourage them right where they are. God, in their walk with you, Noah was faithful and Noah was obedient for 120 years. And he stayed the course. And God, there may be some who are standing today who are on the verge of giving up. Who are on the verge of quitting. Who are on the verge of walking away. God, would you fill them with spiritual endurance today? That God, in the midst of difficulty, the midst of adversity, that God, they'll be strong in you. God, Noah walked with you for 950 years. Help us, God, to walk with you each and every day. Not ahead of you, not behind you, but walking in step with you. God, help us to obey all that you command. Help us, God. Help us, God, each and every day to spend time in your word, to spend time in your presence. And I pray, God, that you would fill us with your presence and you would fill us with your power. May we be encouraged this morning in you. And we thank you for it. And we pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said today,